Now, you're an American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. That I am. Explain um, what what is the holiday of Thanksgiving? Uh, <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> there was a ship called the Mayflower that sailed the seven seas in 14 of 92. No, wrong year. Uh, and they <laughs> went to the colony of... Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts, before it was actually a colony because they were religious folk. They went there. They probably murdered some natives and uh, were in a bit of a war <laughs> with them and realized mm-hmm. they, they, couldn't, they couldn't cook and they couldn't... Oh, they could probably cook. They couldn't farm on the infertile land of America. But it wasn't infertile. It was just they didn't know what the hell they were doing because they were dumb white people and they didn't know how to use the land. And a Native American <laughs> who was there was like, I know you're about to kill me, but, you know, I can help you. <laughs> and they helped them. And then they had a big Thanksgiving dinner. Yay. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Why? Why are you asking? Why did the president have to pardon the turkey? I think it's the only time the president will be like um, jealous of the turkey being pardoned. <laughs> they pardon turkeys. They pardon turkey. It's like a like a thing. They present turkeys. Presentation. The turkey pardon. I don't know, man. See? All right. I'm just asking. I'm not the expert. <laughs> I'm not from there. It started in the Reagan presidency, so it's obviously bullshit. Apparently, <laughs> you know. Uh huh. Yeah, I just want to figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> Could they kill a bunch of turkey on yeah. Thanksgiving? Because people eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Because the Native Americans gave the pilgrims turkey. Yeah, they ate turkey. They shared a meal, and they were thankful for what they had. And then the pilgrims killed the Native Americans and stole their land. Um, we have the holiday still because of reason. Yeah. I mean... Alright, that's not good. I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, so you're clarifying of my answer to you. <laughs> like what it was. <laughs> I was still stuck on like why and, they were you know, partying turkeys, but... Uh, you know what? I have a better start. Yeah. I feel for the Thanksgiving episode, mm. I feel like we should um, start with the Thanksgiving speech from Adam Family Values. Oh. You remember this? I do, sort of. I have it here. It's been a while since I've seen Adam's Family Values. But this is Wednesday Adam as a Native American refusing to break bread with the pilgrims. Yeah, as this is her you should. You have taken the land which is rightfully ours. Yet from now on, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. You, we will sell our bracelets by the roadside. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrim. For all these reasons, I have decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. <laughs> I'm just going to put the bison in behind that. That's essentially what the bison's about. Exactly. 
Whew, that yeah. would... There we go. Yes. Yes. Um, but as we always do in America and uh, with, you know, just being a privileged, privileged people uh, is to drown it down. You know, just <laughs> push it, it down. push it all down, drown it down and say that you're just doing it because you want to hang out with your family and it's a lovely time. But in reality, it's horrible. And now it's just literally just like a capitalist holiday because they can sell a lot of food and stuff. And mm-hmm. if you work in the grocery industry, it's uh, one of the worst days of the year. So mm-hmm. we're going <laughs> to drown it down with some brew dog lost lager. These are my favorite episodes that went John in Tightly Timothy. <laughs> Welcome to the Bob Charles Cinecast. Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan the Man Foster. And I am uh, here with my little gobble boy. <laughs> you're just a big chicken, no good chicken, you know. You're oh, chip, chip, chip. <laughs> That's what Turkey do, right? What's up? Um, how much? Hanging out. Ooh, <laughs> you know, glad I'm not a turkey right now. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you're not a turkey. I wish I was a turkey. I'd be getting baked. <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a good one. We're having a fun, a fun time on the podcast today. I hope um, no. I feel like I viewed <laughs> the opening into a tree, and now we're like climbing out, trying to remember what we we're doing. And then we look yeah. and we're like, "Let's just get back in the car." But now the car is on fire, and my wallet was in there, and now we have no way mm. to pay for a hotel. Yeah, I mean, and that's very topical today. You get it? Yeah, exactly. You know? uh-huh. You'll see. I mean, you read the episode title. You probably know what you're getting into. It makes sense. <laughs> it all does. It'll all come together in the end. Phil, are you doing all right this week, though? Doing fine? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, if uh, if you've seen my Twitter. You're a viral sensation now. Yeah, this week I would fame it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did anyone find out that it was you, or was it just via Reddit? Just via Reddit, um, but it yeah. got shared a bunch of times, and up, you know, it, and I just like it's nice to see um, that the most uh, used anything I have ever been involved with have gotten. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I just liked reading all the comments and stuff, and um, and it's the internet. The but comments. Are shitty, I but. read a few. The comments were fucking weird, man. Most of it them were weird. just like talking about that's not how sex works. And uh, yeah, and also taking very, issue with the lockdown title. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, man, like let it go. But yeah, for a brief shiny moment, I would uh, viral sensation and I'm going to, um, you know, hold on to that to the grave. I that's will forever refer to myself as, yes, I'm that guy from the teddy bear technique. Picnic, fuck, <laughs> teddy bear picnic, Titnik. Titnik. <laughs> I'm the Titnik guy. You know me. What about you? Did 
you do anything <laughs> this week? I've done a lot of things this week, and I'm not very happy about a lot of them. <laughs> and the it's okay. I uh, just really went down a spiral of madness, one of the worst ever. And uh, <laughs> oh, cool! It's some it's some of your worst moments. You have spurts of creative energy, and mm-hmm. or you just don't care as much. And that meant that. Uh, you know, this plan that we've been talking about a little bit um, of recent months and stuff, sometimes a little bit over on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, where we've been joking about something, you know, the word breadcrumbs has come forward a few times. Well, hey, I'm just going to say it now because, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're starting a new, what is it, Phil? Is it a, is it a network <laughs> of podcast shows? Yeah. <laughs> network. <laughs> we've... We're just doing a network of podcast shows where we're just going to start doing more podcasts because that's all I kind of feel like doing with my life sometimes. And uh, it started like just got pushed right out into the middle of traffic. This uh, little (laughs) brainstorming idea that I had just got pushed out into traffic with uh, a new little podcast that I started this past week. (laughs) And I'm assuming that's what you were sort of hinting at. you were asking what I was doing. And that's yes. what I was doing. Even though the man trying to take you down. <laughs> yeah, Dutch. Twitter deleted all my uh, videos. So I started this thing called Tall Talk. It's just a dumb 60 seconds of madness. And uh, every episode, it comes out every day, one literally a minute or less. And uh, just to waste time, um, <laughs> waste your time, not my time. <laughs> not mine golden this is golden time of me like freeing myself of my lunacy and uh i don't know like i saw that twitter had this voice note thing that you could do and uh i was like oh i'm going to exploit that it's a very easy way for me to create a fake podcast for 60 seconds and then they deleted them all luckily i had saved all the videos and i put them up on other social media accounts and i i put them up on our uh podcast provider network thing and i've created a new show so you can find it tall talk breadcrumbs on all of your podcast devices and all episodes are there so screw you twitter i beat the system (laughs) but you did delete all my videos and it kind of sucks yeah fuck you you won't even delete trump twitter you're taking down tall talk (laughs) giving the people what they need speaking truth (laughs) i don't know if they're deleting them because of like I, they definitely didn't delete them because of me. I mean, come on, this is stupid. Get out of here. But uh, I think they're just like with their stupid stories, trying to be like Instagram now. Their fleet, yeah, they are uh, tweaking so much stuff, and they just like somehow deleted all the stuff, which sucks. But whatever, man, I don't care. I uh, you're just you. making me do more work. The reason why I was enjoying that was because all I had to do was just hit record, and like I it had to be as dumb as possible, but now you're making me do more work, whatever. I don't I'll appreciate do more work. that. That means you're going to get episodes like robot monologues, which is, uh, making me do more work. So there you go. It's your fault. Twitter. <laughs> it's your fault. I actually think robot monologues could be a show in its own. Um, so this is that's what another, that's the third official show off. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are creating a new podcast network called breadcrumbs and we're gonna have 
new stuff. So check out this week. There will be a new show going out called Breadcrumbs. Um, and then we'll also start launching a bunch of new shows off of that. Maybe Phil will have his own show. Maybe I'll have my other, another new, my own show. Maybe some of the stuff we do on Patreon just becomes a new show because they're kind of just sitting there and, uh, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll do stuff with them, but yeah. Uh, yeah. My first, uh, show is going to be small talk and it's going to be <laughs> episodes of tall talk, but like really high pitched and like much lower. And if I'm like, yeah trapped in a box or something <laughs> so get excited yeah <laughs> get excited breadcrumbs look out for it i don't know if any of you guys care and i feel like i've wasted a lot of time <laughs> just talking nonsense I well, let's get into the episode oh but yeah before that a little prince charles cinema update <laughs> we finally have pretty much all of december back on sale which is amazing because good god it took a lot of work i wish you guys (laughs) knew all the stuff that we've had to go through lately i'm not even going to go into it because it's just a bit silly but you can come out to the Prince Charles Cinema when we hopefully reopen in 3rd of December. Come on, please don't put us in some crazy tier that means we can't reopen immediately. Uh, come on. Come out <laughs> <laughs> I want to retain my job. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we're going to have a bunch of Christmas stuff on the big screen. So come out. We've got It's a Wonderful Life. We've got Elf. We've got The Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, Elf and Muppets Christmas Carol, they can't be your proper quarter along sing-alongs this year but hey keep us open for another year then next year we'll be back with all that crazy as as long as uh you know this uh pandemic is under a little bit more control we'll see Mm -hmm. we have die hard on 70 millimeter we have home alone you name it there's a lot of good classic christmas stuff coming what's your favorite christmas thing showing this year phil are you excited about anything in particular wonderful life boy like tradition now, I would want to see what wonderful life on the screen, and uh, I will cry every yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> um, apart yeah. from that, Die Hard, Die Hard, yeah, Die Hard's always a classic. I watched that last year, yeah, Die Hard just it's always fun, always needed to watch. And uh, mm-hmm. um, Muppet getting a bad rap, but Muppets. great. Should yeah, listen, Muppets if, is if people haven't listened to was it last year or the year before the Christmas, yeah, last year with Brett Goldstein. Yeah, Christmas episode, yeah. Brett Goldstein, amazing actor, comedian, podcast, uh, giant. Yeah, <laughs> go check that out. Yeah, I'm excited for like a Christmas story because come on, lovely, That's a good lovely one. Christmas movie. One of the best Christmas movies ever. It's a very American feeling story, but I think anyone could turn that on and just fucking fall in love with it because it's one of the most adorable films ever made. I love that movie. Yeah, I saw it for the first okay. time last year and I thought it was great. I've never seen mm-hmm. like a movie be so cynical and sentimental about Christmas at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Really, really great. <laughs> yeah, and the best thing about it that it's uh, made by Bob Clark who did the Porky's movies which is like <laughs> fun, silly, mm-hmm. horrible, but silly fun. Yeah. Uh, and then he also did Black Christmas. So he's done one of the scariest movies ever made 
that inspired Halloween and really helped kick off like the 80s slasher craze. And he also did one of the most lovely, heartfelt Christmas films ever made. So it's like, yeah, both sides of the spectrum. Love it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Another great way to support the cinema, though, right now is to pick up a membership. You know, Christmas is coming around soon. You want to get some good stuff, head over to PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Get yourself a membership or you can get a membership for like that friend or family member or that weird work colleague pal that you don't really know what to get them and you got them for Secret Santa. Yeah, and you want him to leave you alone? This year. Yeah. And you gave him a pen <laughs> last year, so you need something more meaningful. Yeah, we got gift vouchers, gift and gift memberships over at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. And speaking of Christmas, Phil, you've been sporting a little bit of this uh, web store merch. Right? I have. You know? Um, oh, I don't yeah. have it with me. But don't have it with you now. Yes. Uh, but we could lie. Look, look at this PCC mug I'm totally <laughs> drinking PCC from. Mug. <laughs> yeah. This can of uh, beer. Um, yeah, no, the, we got some great match up. I, I, got, uh, yeah. I got a cap and a, and a mug, but we got new shirts. We got the Friday 13th one. We got the new yeah. face mask, which I just seen. New face mask. Yes, we the do. The popcorn so, could wear cinema. It's really cool. <laughs> Hand drawn as well. Uh, we've got socks you might have seen recently like on the, the web store that have the same design these really cool hand-drawn popcorn kernels yeah so if you head over to pccwebstore.com you can pick up some sweet pcc merch you can treat yourself to or someone else you know treat mm. yourself treat yourself i mean you need to do that treat yourself anything treat yourself yeah. if you've got the money to do so with one of or our t-shirts <laughs> for someone else we got awesome shirts, we got hats, we got mugs, we got tote bags, we got socks. Everybody could use socks. And now, like we said, we got cool, cool face masks. Mm. Yeah, socks are the ultimate Christmas gift. And also, for the face masks, just face mask it. Face masks are going to be a part of our our lives for a while now, a while. it seems. So you may yeah. as well look cool wearing one. PCCWebStore.com No, you're right about the thought. Like, I know that... Th- that's a joke, most you know. Yeah, kids hate getting clothes. Like when when you're a kid, you don't want clothes and gifts. Now, someone gets me a pair of socks for Christmas. I'm super jacked about it. And I love <laughs> yeah. getting new socks. Yeah, yeah. Because I like putting them on my feet. I like. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of liking a new pair of socks because I actually, as an adult as well, I've gotten more accustomed to enjoying a, a nice new pair of socks but at the same time i also don't like getting socks because people don't get socks that i really like <laughs> you know like, i like what a, kind I like of a good socks do you like a good thick sock you know do you like a design on them do you like them plain um i i i, I like <laughs> colorful socks but not like crazy designs like a solid color like a like you know if you give me a cool red sock maybe with cool a stripe sock, on it yeah. or something yeah, but not All like right. uh, not like not like something Sorry. crazy on it. Like, okay, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I like it to be thick as well, so that if I they step can warm, on me one too. of the many crazy sharp things inside my house that are on the floor, like my cat's claws, um, my uh, every doorway seems to have a nail that's coming out, even though I hammer it in, it still comes magically appears and rips all Dude, my socks open. So it needs yeah, to be I have thick that. enough to deal with that. <laughs> speaking of holidays phil 
<laughs> we started this episode. You know what time it is. You know what time it is. You know what it's it is. It's a big holiday. It's a big holiday week for myself. It's a big holiday week for my brethren across the ponds. I don't know if it's a big holiday week in your household because you sort of have a sort of American uh, partner. It is now. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do the whole shebang. We're going to make our own nice Thanksgiving dinner. I think it'll yeah. land on Thursday of this week. Um, no, I never yeah. uh, celebrated Thanksgiving before. Um, Dusty, and she, I started being able to go over to uh, her family's house and they obviously do the whole thing. Um, and it's yeah. actually really nice. I actually quite enjoy it. Do you do you do it? I've been doing it like most years recently. Last year I did a massive one. It was great. Like it was so much food, too much food, and we had quite a few people around this year. I don't know what we're gonna do because you know, obviously it's a little bit different, you know. <laughs> but uh I, I am gonna try to do a little bit of something. We'll see. Um yeah. I don't know. Like, have you been at the PCC at all during Thanksgiving? Or has it all just been like you having a day off to hang out with Dusty's family? Um, well, you were there last year for sure. I was there, <laughs> I, yeah, I was there last year. Um, I don't know because they usually yeah. do it like a weekend around it, so it won't land on the actual day. Um, oh, okay, cool. But no, I, yeah, no, no. I'll I'll usually be working the PCC, and most yeah. people um, don't realize it's Thanksgiving, and then they'll look at the program <laughs> yeah. and be like, "Oh, why are we showing them? Oh, okay, yeah." Yeah. Like this uh-huh. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I love being like one of the only people that really am like, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. It's <laughs> Thank we- you for playing uh, at least one film that sort of feels like Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. Two, I have two questions for you. What uh-huh. is, like, growing up, what was the Thanksgiving tradition if you had one? In my family, actually, you know, a lot of years it was always like when I was younger the dinner would be at my house which mm-hmm. was really interesting because christmas was always at my like grandmother's house but it seemed like there was quite a few years where thanksgiving dinner was at my house and my mom would do all the cooking with my dad and then like a lot of family members would come or it might be that we would go to someone else's house but it was always like a big family dinner until my parents broke up and my grandmother passed away <laughs> it was just like cool Let's go have Thanksgiving dinner at a uh, Chinese buffet because it's like the only place that's still open. <laughs> that's like a Christmas story. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> and then go bowling. Okay. That sounds yeah. like all of my Christmases growing up. <laughs> yeah, I had a few Christmases like that as well, especially yeah. after my parents passed. Like my parents <laughs> broke up and my grandmother passed away. <laughs> Okay, well then, second Sorry. question. In this, this is this like a viable subgenre of movie? The Thanksgiving movie, the turkey movie, because this is the only one I could really name. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be like another sort of Thanksgiving film, but this is like the only Thanksgiving film. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's so particular. It like there would probably be like some stupid like lifetime movie, you know, gotta get home for the holidays, like kind of ripping off the vibes of this film, but like some yeah, other and like, it's got one of the kids from Home Improvement in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, what is that film called? Like I'll be home, home for, for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas, yeah. 
and it's got JTT in it. Did we sh- try to show that last year? And no one <laughs> bought tickets for it. It bombed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, d- I think this film's kind of the only Thanksgiving film. Um, I googled it and it's bullshit. All the other ones aren't really Thanksgiving movies. They're mostly Christmas movies and movies that came out on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rocky? That count? Was the fight not on Thanksgiving, actually? So, hey, maybe The fight in Rocky IV is on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. But I feel like Thanksgiving was Rocky I. Very potentially was Rocky I. So, yeah. There's some some room there. (laughs) I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, then. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. So, there's one other Thanksgiving movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's a stretch though, because it's like, it's not really about getting home for the holidays at all. <laughs> well, that's like, this is the Die Hard conversation all over again, okay? Yeah. It, it, Rocky yeah. is a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, I'm not disputing it. I'm just saying it's not quite the same. It's not effective. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's a lot of stuffing going on. There's a lot of pounding of meat and... Uh, not in a sexual way. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuffing in this episode you know what I'm saying yeah yeah we're stuffing a lot of stuff around it um I was gonna say that I had a couple of fun Thanksgiving memories at the Prince Charles Cinema because oh, please. I think I'm pretty sure I've seen the film that we've talked about like we're going to talk about at the cinema at least once since I worked there because it shows many many years but before I get to that there was a couple of years where some fun stuff was going on particularly one year last year in particular Kevin Smith was at the Prince Charles Cinema on Thanksgiving. That was Day. Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, yeah. During Jay and Silent Bob reboot screenings, and that was when we got the amazing uh, interview that Kevin Smith did for our Kevin Smith episode. So you can check that out in the archives. Um, uh, and also, good. a few years ago, Zach Galligan from Gremlins had come over for like Tommy Wiseau style, like almost a week of shows, like definitely a weekend of shows. And they were like, the first year was massive. The second year dwindled a little bit. It wasn't as popular as the first year, but it was crazy how popular that first year was. And it was like, <laughs> holy cow, is this just going to be like a new thing? And uh, <laughs> that is it, it turned out like I was working on Thanksgiving and Zach Galligan was there. And I just like was talking to him because I was stage managing and we were just both like, yeah, Americans here. We're like the only Americans here in the building. Uh, on Thanksgiving this is kind of sad and I went and bought him a turkey sandwich for uh, Thanksgiving from Pret their turkey sandwiches are banging in memory of uh, that I'm going to call a snack time snack time quarantine quarantine lockdown here we go again I have a turkey sandwich. You can't see it because it's all just legend, bro. <laughs> I had one of those literally like the day prep started doing it. I got one because I yeah, really enjoy them. But I yeah. almost had that this morning. I made the this morning. I went to Costa because we have a Costa down the road. Could they have a vegan turkey um, toasty you can get? Ooh, nice. 
and it's like turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and like spinach and stuff. Um, and I bought it and I was going to have it for lunch and then save them for snack time. But I ate the whole thing. <sighs> so you have no snack. Well, I have, <laughs> uh, well, I have instead of a snack, I have a shot of Bailey that I'm going to do. Oh, damn. Okay. All right. Well, let me, let me tuck into this. So we're first. both drinking. So you take a bite and then I will drink alcohol. Yeah. This is a co-op's turkey feast. It's a Christmas thing because obviously when I said that I got Zach Gallagher a turkey sandwich, it was definitely one of the holiday Christmas <laughs> theme sandwiches yeah. from Pratt because they don't do Thanksgiving sandwiches here. But uh, this looks kind of horrible, but it was the best option I had in my local area because I don't live near a Pratt. Yeah. And if I did, it'd probably be closed um, <laughs> like for good. So Go for it. this is Go for it. This has got, got high hopes. cranberry cranberry sauce and stuff, so we'll see if it's okay. All right. Bottoms up. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. It kind of tastes like a little solid turkey sandwich. So let's wash it down nice. with uh, Trump Lost Lager from Blue Dog. <laughs> nice. I mean, I'm usually a fan of the holiday sandwiches. It's one of those things that, like, only this time of year and then any other time of year i'm like yo no bro don't don't i don't want to know it. um so yeah this is in honor of that scene in the movie where they're getting drunk off little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hotel <laughs> like little uh bottles of alcohol um i don't know if i want to do this yeah. as a shot but i don't know if i can usually put i could put can it you into, just tuck it back <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try. If not, I'll pour it into the rest of my coffee. But I'm gonna try and do it. It's Bailey. This one is has a hint of orange truffle flavor, and it's um, 50 milliliters, and it's 17 percent mm-hmm. alcohol. So, jeez. Do you have more? Because I want you to get drunk during this episode. I have a whole bottle in the kitchen. Yeah, oh, but can right. I? Can you go. can sh- you can have Bailey by itself, right? Yeah. Sure. Why not? I mean, it's not going to taste great, but go for it. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> you have to, like, <laughs> suck it down. Oh. <sighs> this is a party episode. This is a party. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> How many turkey wishbones are you giving it? Seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen percent turkey wishbones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Fuck, that was a mistake. Uh, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be with you. My chest is so warm right now. <laughs> <laughs> What are you giving your sandwich? I mean, I'm giving it a, a. It's. I feel like this is solid. A solid two out of five wishbones. It's not horrible. It's not the greatest sandwich I've ever had, but it's okay. Right. It's okay. Respectable. I feel like somebody might think two is really low if I'm saying it's okay, but no one's ever actually called into question my ratings, and I don't <laughs> think they're going to start now. Uh, so Fair I think enough. I'm okay. 
we've been speaking about Thanksgiving. We've been thinking, talking about it at the PCC. We've been talking about a tradition and stuff that happens every year at the Prince Charles Center most of the time. We're talking about a Thanksgiving film. We sort of hinted at it a few times. Phil, what film are we talking about? Bailey. <laughs> talking about Bailey. Talking about Bailey. <laughs> Bailey, bro. Um, no, it's the uh, plane, train, and automobile. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and the Marconi family. Paramount Pictures presents... Steve Martin. Ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see God Hall while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, color game, color game. Neil Page. Steve Martin is a high-strung marketing executive on a business trip to New York who needs to reach sweet home Chicago for (laughs) Thanksgiving with his wife and kids. After several misadventures, including his flight getting delayed, Neil ends up on a three-day odyssey with a travel companion and obnoxious shower ring salesman (laughs) Del Griffith, played by John Candy. Will Neil make it home in time for the big dinner? Probably. <laughs> Probably so. It's the 1987 <laughs> the holiday movie. road comedy from the late great writer director John Hughes. Phil. Yeah. Phil's foot. Hot takes out the gate. Hot take out the gate. Whoa. This is, um. <laughs> that Bailey's is like hitting me. Um. Straight to that. Uh, this is a great movie. Plane Trains is a wonderful movie. I mean, it's hands down the best and only Thanksgiving movie out there. Um, yeah. Sorry, Rocky. It, sorry, Rocky. <laughs> it, it, this is, uh, it's hard. This movie just really makes me miss John Candy. He's so yeah. good. It's him and Martin at their best. Probably John Hughes' best movie. I was going to ask that. What do you think is, what's, what do you think is like, What's your favorite John Hughes film? I'm very partial to Breakfast Club, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's easily mm-hmm. the best of his teen flicks. But yeah. But I don't know. I think like I do like his later stuff. I'm a big fan of Uncle Buck. Um, but I think it's this. This it really gets me like it's funny and it's a really well told story, but it's got all these extra factors that like really stick with me. It's emotional. It like mm-hmm. genuinely it, if if I think about it too much, it will make me cry. Yeah. 
the music is wonderful. Like there's just so many memorable bits and it's a movie I love revisiting every year. I it's pro- it's probably I don't know, it changes. But if I had to stick with this one at the best, that would that would be okay. What what do you think? I think um this film is absolutely amazing. It's so good, mm. it's so funny. Uh it's like beautiful in all the right places, weird in all the right places. Like nice way of putting there's it, yeah. Some interesting choices in the music. There's some uh but <laughs> also some yeah. like yeah, some amazing bits of music as well. We'll get to that in a bit. But like, yeah, overall, like it's such a good movie. It's not my favorite Steve Martin film, but it's probably oh. my favorite John Candy film. Uh okay. What's your favorite Steve Martin movie? Uh The Jerk. Easily the Jerk. Um, oh yeah yeah but <laughs> get out the, get the fuck out of here films. chuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> period I mean, i've had a i've had an argument with dusty about this before you know, and she'll remember hi dusty uh <laughs> <laughs> shout out dusty yeah i i don't know like I, I i think it's probably like my second favorite john hughes film as well um i, I just it's hard because the breakfast club is just there's something about it it's right it's just there like, it's yeah. just like, oh, it's just something. It's like, it really is just sort of like a weird, perfect movie in its own mm-hmm. weird little way, which I feel like this film is kind of borderline a perfect movie as well. It's just like, there's a couple of odd little things that I would have tweaked probably <laughs> with the music that would have made it like even better. You're messing with the wrong guy. You're messing with the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? I'm assuming it's that stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> what what but is overall, happening with the soundtrack? This film. Yeah, like you said, like uh, you know, John Candy and Steve Martin are like so good together, and they're at their like peak prime best together in this fucking film. They're really fucking fun together. Um, I think it's great. Like, whereas Steve Martin, he sort of like really started to lean hard into this, like you know, around this time where. I think the thing about the jerk that I really love is just because he's at his like his prime of like just coming off of his uh, wild and crazy guy, you know, comedian and he's wild and crazy and just like it's so funny that film. I love it. It's just so funny. It's stupid. But like there's something about there's something about him in this film and then like films like Parenthood and stuff where he starts to really tap into he doesn't need to be the goofiest person in the film. He's the straight man. He's the straight man, but he's still perfectly comfortable being goofy at times and being like, Mm. it's usually like goofy things happen to him. And he's (laughs) so good at playing that sort of straight laced borderline asshole that you almost can like kind of hate. It's really funny. Like you can almost hate both of these guys at times. Like John Candy. They both ride the line. Yeah, when I say he's obnoxious, I know that some people might be like, no, like, because you think about the ending of the film and stuff. But he it's is like, meant to be obnoxious. He's though. so obnoxious in this movie. <laughs> but he is still John Candy, where you're just like, of course, I absolutely he's... love this man. He's so yeah, he's beautiful. Like, exactly uh... sweet and he's funny and adorable. And, but yeah, Steve Martin's the same. He's a complete art. It's funny because yeah. they essentially, have you seen Due Date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Zach G and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Zach G and Zach G and Bobby D, um, not De Niro Downey <laughs> and Downey Jr. Not Senior. Um, it that's essentially a remake of Plane Train Normobile, but that doesn't yeah have and I don't I don't mind that movie, but it doesn't have that. I think they skew a little too far 
where the characters are just unlikable from most of the movie, but they have this yeah. revelation yeah, yeah. at the end that you're supposed to suddenly care. And this one just it does it way better. It's just it's so that their arcs are done, mm. which are so pitch perfect. And I just realized we've done two road movies in a row and this is probably the better one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually going to bring that up. This is a real, a really uh, good road movie as opposed to the last one. No freak. Fire. No uh, <laughs> racial stereotype that I can remember. Yeah. Um, oh, good. Safe. <laughs> I love John Hughes as well. Like we, we sort of briefly touched on what I mean, but he's, a, he's so good. Like he's such a good writer. He's a really mm. good director. It's kind of funny though, like when you actually look at his work and stuff and everything he did, because he started like after Uncle Buck and after Curly Sue, like he started to just mostly write. And then he would go mm, on to on like write some things that were under a pseudonym as well. Uh Edward Dance or something like that. Yeah, wasn't the last thing he wrote like Made in Manhattan? Is that Drillbit Taylor? Drill yeah, Taylor. Made Manhattan, Drill Bit Taylor. He That's did funny. the Beethoven the Beethoven movie. Oh, Beethoven is great. <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that he did under a pseudonym. But uh anyway, this is this film was like actually John Hughes' first big foray into directing films, you know, that were turning away from that sort of teenage film and focusing mm. more on the adult themes. Because to this point, he'd, he had previously written screenplays for more adult films like Mr. Mom and National Lampoon's Vacation and European Vacation. Great movies. But he directed the classics that you all know, like Sixteen Candles and uh, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So he had quite the teen guy reputation. But Planes, Trains and Automobiles is actually inspired by John Hughes's own hellish trip trying to get from New York to Chicago. So it comes from a real life experience before he started working as a contributing writer for national lampoon. He, and before he became a screenwriter, he used to work as a copywriter for Leo Burnett, like advertising agency in Chicago. And one day he had an 11 o'clock presentation, like 11 AM presentation scheduled in New York. And it was like on a Wednesday and he planned to return home by 5 PM or like, or get a 5 PM flight out of New York then. And, Similar to this film, Winter Winds forced all the flights to, you know, Chicago to be like delayed until the next day. And then the plane eventually, when he finally got on one, it like got diverted to Wichita and then apparently to Denver and then apparently to Phoenix. And he didn't make it back home until Monday. So oh, man. after this trip, he obviously had a really good story waiting. <laughs> oh, it's a great idea. I mean. But in real life, the journey would have been a whole lot better with John Candy by your side. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, he apparently wrote the first 60 pages of the script in just like six hours. That's insane. And then <laughs> the first draft was completed in three days because apparently <sighs> back then he was like writing scripts in like three to five days. He was just like, yep, here we go. That guy he had a, a reputation for being a fast writer over yeah. at uh, the National Lampoon. They were basically kind of like, "Dude, you like the rest of the magazine can't catch up." Like, <laughs> slow down, <laughs> champ. <laughs> so originally, Howard Deutsch, who had previously directed John Hughes written films, 
uh, Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. He was uh, huh. set to direct the film, actually. But it was after Steve Martin got signed on that Hughes decided to direct himself. And uh, Deutsch would go on to direct The Great Outdoors instead, which was written by John Hughes. Uh, <laughs> I never saw that one. <laughs> Deutsch just is a John Hughes guy. It's like uh, being uh, a Paul Heyman guy. Just like <laughs> <laughs> Cracking open another one. <laughs> Let's just get into the cast because I said Steve Martin came on board. Steve Martin plays Neil Page. He was apparently convinced to join the production after favoring two of the scenes that he read in the script, which were the seat adjustment scene where he's adjusting the car seat, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny, and uh, the F word tirade at the rental car desk. One of the greatest scenes <laughs> in any comedy, like flat out. That always, I know yeah. it's one joke, but it always gets me. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really funny though. And of all the things, and it's not even, I mean, he's funny, but it's her, that's the one behind the counter who, like, yeah. her big laugh at the end. But I, every time yeah. I'm in a car, I think of the line, four fucking wheels and a feet. That is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That marathon rental car scene, it lasted for exactly one minute <laughs> from the time that Steve Barton starts his tirade to the time the attendant ends the scene with their famous line, which I'll get to in a second. In that 60 seconds, the F word is used 18 times because <laughs> Steve Barton's literally just like fucking this fucking fucking that. fucking, fucking. <laughs> I want to take you that fucking smile off your roadie fucking cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I like Steve Martin man he's so good he's so funny <laughs> I can't wait to retweet this episode and my caption is just going to be that monologue <laughs> <laughs> so the film though it, you know if it would have easily been a PG or a PG-13 <laughs> if it weren't for this scene it got an R rating because of the scene <laughs> oh it's so worth it though just so great and speaking of the woman who gives the, the the classic line at the end, her name is Edie McClurg. She plays the rental car agent. And apparently she was instructed to just basically improvise a lot of that, like uh, with the exception of that final line. Mm. Uh, but that whole thing where she's on the phone and she's like talking <laughs> to her sister about Thanksgiving and like, oh, you know, I can't cook. <laughs> like <laughs> Apparently that was all improvised because John Hughes just loves his actors sort of improvise some stuff and uh, yeah. yeah, like she, she improvised all that, which is amazing. And then like, she says that she still gets people to this day to tell them that you're fucked. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. That's a weird one for people to yell at you on the street. Yeah. Hey, hey, lady, you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) No, they want her to tell them that. Hey, lady, tell me I'm fucked. (laughs) Tell me. I know, but I need to hear it. Tell me. Come on, tell me. (laughs) Tell me I'm fucked. (laughs) <laughs> no she's great she's like a huge regular though she's yeah. like in first bueller and uh, a couple other ones yeah 
he uses a lot of the same people. Like mm-hmm. he's one of those directors that just there's a lot of like things that happen in his films or like people that get used a lot or extras or callbacks or weird things like you know John Candy ends the film sort of with a weird smirk on his face and then like that same exact smirk gets used at the end of Uncle Buck. Like it's yeah. just little weird things that he does. He liked the freeze frame. He's the king of the freeze frame yeah. ending. He likes the freeze frame. He also really like he loves weird little things that I would have never thought to have done in a film. Like it's a weird choice. Like when uh Neil is looking at his plane ticket at the very beginning of the film, mm-hmm. it like does that weird thing where it sort of like highlights the the leaving time. And yeah, it's just it like in. it's just that weird, like weird things like that like it's very john hughes-esque things like the way he shoots with the music like it's just like the way it's edited with the music but then also the way he shoots like a crowd of people and stuff it's just like it feels so like almost like a documentary in a way like you know he's just like this is real life but then it's like this is complete and utter bullshit surrounding it um he's somehow encapsulated the 80s and it's just not really the 80s i don't know <laughs> it's great yeah. like his voice is so holy his own and i i like hearing it mm-hmm. well upon receiving the script through his agent steve martin was surprised to discover that the script's length was 145 pages <laughs> god damn a typical a typical comedy film was usually around 90 pages <laughs> or so and uh, Steve Martin met with John Hughes and he was asked if, like, he asked him if there was any intention of cutting the script down. And according to Martin, Hughes just looked at him strangely and was just like, cutting. <laughs> Martin realized that he basically had no. no intention of cutting the script. No, you just say it faster. <laughs> yeah. What is he? Fucking David Fincher. Yeah. Making a comedy film. Just this speak thing faster. Works. Come on. I had three minutes. <laughs> so it's going to be three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> man, I forgot to put a Brian De Palma joke in here. Ooh. we can lie and say he's one of the extras or something. Yeah, Brian De Palma was an extra in the film. Did you know that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. He played the car. <laughs> he's in the trunk. He's the like whole one time. of the slabs of meat. One of the slabs of meat in the meat truck at the end. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of the g- teenage yeah. girls that John Candy fell the showering to. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the strip club scene that uh, got cut out of the movie. I'll tell you about that. Um, oh, it's annoying the strip club. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Steve Martin joked, though, that the film was like originally going to be four hours long, but it actually may have been around three hours and apparently there is a three hour version of this film that technically exists that's been locked away for years it's kind of crazy though because like it doesn't feel like that long of a movie it's like what like an hour and 48 minutes if that like maybe a little less than that like is yeah, hour 38 like it's it's not long at all so it's crazy there's still half of a fucking movie <laughs> existing somewhere <laughs> all this shit that they shot like so many things that got taken out I don't know it's crazy I think there's a bit more detail i can get into in a second but um one little interesting tidbit about the character of neil rick moranis was apparently considered for the role of neil <laughs> he was on his way to the audition until someone came up behind him and punched him in the back of the head. 
<laughs> Steve Martin oh, man. a person of interest Steve Martin for a while. It. <laughs> Has anyone talked to Steve Martin about this 2020 incident? Yeah, exactly. Could I hear they're doing a plane train too? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not even involved this time, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I retired 20 uh, years ago. <laughs> John Candy is Del Griffith. We've already said it, it's probably like one of John Candy's best roles. Yeah. I love John Candy. He's so, he's so amazing. He's just a he's big, so beautiful man. And it, yeah. it's such a, to stop and think there isn't that person in the world that's really sad. Because it's like this and yeah. Uncle Buck and Cool yeah. Running. He's like a part of everyone's life through one film mm. or another. And he's just great. He's just such a great personality. And this is such an impressive movie by him mm-hmm. because, like I was saying, right, such a thin line where he has to be annoying for most of the movie, but yeah. endearing. So the moment where you, you know, find out sort of his secret, I guess, it's genuinely heartbreaking. And even before that, his like sort of uh, monologue to Steve Martin in the hotel room where he's sort of teary eyed, where he's like, I like yeah. me that, that like monologue. It's just so good. It's so restrained. It's such good acting. Like from yeah. someone known for comedy, like he's genuinely brilliant in this movie. Yeah. Cause even like, I, I kind of did this when we were talking about last week, when we were like saying goodbye and we were talking about, we we're going to do this next and like, uh, you know, to each other off air. And mm. I was talking about like, you know, you got guys like John Candy and guys like Chris Farley. It's like, you know, you mm. put them in the same category and it's because they're funny big guys. But at the same time, they're all like, they all sort of have these similar sort of things where there's like these demons of because they just are so fucking funny. Like John Belushi as well. John Belushi, like mm. throw them in there. You know, they're, they're of Sam this Kinnison. sort of era of just, yeah, Sam Kennison. These like guys who of this era who like obviously were really funny. Uh, they were promising young men who like mm. obviously had a lot of demons around them, whether it was like alcohol or drugs or weird, like just weird sort of lives that they were leading sort of mm. behind, the, behind the scenes. And it's like sad that they get taken away. And there's, they, like you said, there's like people like this don't exist. Like <laughs> they could easily exist yeah. still today. And you could still see, like imagine a world, like how great it would be to still just have John Candy and in some films and stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like just what, yeah. Like a world. Yeah. I want to see that world. Well, what they would have done, like aged up and stuff. Like, yeah. Using what we know about them now and using that to their advantage. And like, just how they, would they start making movies? How would you, you know, like all young comedians tend to make for great older dramatic actors. <laughs> so yeah, it's just yeah. it's just a shame. And he would seemed really nice, like behind the scene for intent and purpose. One of my favorite videos I've seen. I'll send it to you if you haven't seen it. It's like a it's like a local news clip, and it's a reporter going with him to a local barbershop to get the perm for this movie, <laughs> and the reporter gets there with him. And so he's interviewing him and he's getting his head done. And he just seemed really humble and sweet. And then the bit where the guy asked about Steve Martin and John Candy just turns like dead serious. And he's like, you know, the thing 
about Steve Martin, you know, I'm really excited to meet him. And you think, oh, you know, this guy's hilarious. He's one of the funniest people in the world. And you meet him and you realize he's really not. <laughs> and that's it. It's just really great. Yeah. Just like, you know what? No, fuck Steve yeah. Martin. <laughs> and I just, I love that. I, I, it's just so funny. Yeah. I think Steve Martin would be funny to work with because I imagine he would be just really hilarious, uh, but also like, I can imagine he would have like a very serious side to him because he obviously like, I think does, I think because he, he's not like your typical actor. Like he's, he was a comedian as well. Like, and then he mm-hmm. got into acting. So he's probably approaching like comedy acting and like a very like serious way of like, is this really funny and stuff? And yeah. like John Candy's more of a coming from the improv side and like, more probably a little bit more of an acting side as well and just like it's <laughs> probably a really funny clashing of styles at times but like apparently they got along really well together and it was all like just really fun um, oh, good yeah i mean prior to shooting like john candy arrived apparently with a bunch of exercise equipment for him to use during production and stuff <laughs> like apparently yeah like crews installing like treadmills and like a bench press like weights and just all this exercise gear in his hotel suite. And Steve Martin said that John Candy just never used any of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Also, apparently John Goodman was considered for the role. Dell. We can do that. We should that time. Yeah. Imagine a world where you have Rick Moranis and John Goodman. (laughs) And planes, trains and automobiles. (laughs) I'd still watch the hell out of that movie. Like it probably wouldn't be as good, but I don't know. It could be like amazing. It could still just be amazing. Cause I love both of those guys. Like it's, yeah, it's a weird one. A weird one. Some other actors in the film, obviously we had Layla Robbins as Susan page kind of seems to be her biggest film as the mother, as the wife of uh, Neil. I, another gripe for me with this film and it maybe it's something that sort of got cut out of the three-hour version of the movie. What, that she doesn't do or say anything in the movie? Basically, yeah. It's like you open the film, he's in this, like, office. That scene's really funny. The guy looking at, like, his reports and, like, or his stuff and just, like... <sighs> and to be honest, going into business, this film, business man, business. I've had, yeah, I've had, like, a really, really funny week of just, like, I was joking a little bit earlier on in the episodes i don't know how much of that will survive the edit but um i you know i just haven't been top-notch mentally and uh watching the beginning of this film really fucking was like oh <laughs> it's really really triggering because it was just like just with their hashtag relatable like, uh, yeah <laughs> hashtag relatable for sure and uh yeah they, but you know they start with this the scene of him in this office and stuff and just like stressing and stuff and trying to get home. And the whole thing is him trying to get home. And then he like delays, blah, blah, blah. And every time he's actually talks to his wife, she sort of like, will say something like, Oh, what's going on? Like, and it's just like this weird sort of thing that I feel like there's an unanswered sort of question of like, what is except for Steve Martin, just like, Oh, I've been, you know, I've been at home enough. Like there's something there. There's something there, obviously, but I just feel like there could have been a little bit more. Maybe just one little scene of them actually having the conversation of some mistrust or like her getting angry at him instead of just like a very Mm -hmm. weird sort of just there 
watching a film, uh, watching the news, waiting for the phone call, staring out the window, having, yeah, staring out the window, having some conversations with the kids occasionally. And then like crying when he shows up. I mean, mm. it's not her fault. She That's did a good, good job though. of crying, but yeah, uh, yeah very, very I love, ending. yeah, I love, yeah, no, I love when she is looking at John Candy and she like thanks him like bringing him home and everybody is crying and it's so good (laughs) (laughs) well you have olivia burnett as marty page his daughter mostly a tv kid she was on the i mean she still gets work you know so it's cool i don't really know her that much though and then the son now this i always forget that he's in this film uh neil page jr the older son the other son i don't even know who the hell that is i mean don't know uh, but Matthew Lawrence plays yeah. Neil Page Jr., which is amazing. Whoa. <laughs> so here we go. Big old Disney Channel original movie reference. Haven't had one in reference. a while, y'all. But yeah, this boy was in Horse Sense and Jumping Ship. Great Disney Channel films. <laughs> well, I'm thinking. <laughs> Actually, I don't know bro. if he was in Horse Sense. He was definitely in Jumping Ship. Uh, but, uh, nah, but the Lawrence brothers, you know. Lawrence Brothers, Brotherly Love. That's what you got reference. Yes. That's the show. Yeah. Brotherly Love, the Lawrence Brothers. Was it um, Matthew, Andy, and... Could Andy with the kid from Reset? Yeah. What's the the oldest? Joey Joey Lawrence. Yeah, he was the heartthrob on all the 90s. We should do... Can we do a a Lawrence Brothers episode? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a breadcrumbs idea. <laughs> yeah, please. We should do a <laughs> the Lawrence a, Brothers podcast. Disney, yeah. <laughs> what What do you call them? The decoms. Decoms. Yeah, that yeah. should be a show. The decom. Mm-hmm. They'll go off. Yeah, I'm sure there's already a podcast, but we can do it and make it better. Hey, isn't that what you do? I mean, you we just, already do that with movie podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get everyone else. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Bacon, my boys. If you're looking for a six degrees of Kevin Bacon, well, look no further. It's only one degrees because he's in this film. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> he the, the guy at the beginning, right? The cab guy. He's the, Yeah, the taxi racer. Piece he's trying to race into the taxi. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of like she's having a baby references in this film because... That's a good John Hughes movie. The next film that John Hughes would have as soon as this film like basically was just finished and out in theaters and all that sort of stuff, the next film that would come out very soon after was She's Having a Baby by John Hughes, which starred Kevin Bacon. Mm. Weirdly enough, they're, the wife is watching She's Having a Baby in the film. You can hear her watching TV. She's watching She's Having a Baby. The film wasn't even out yet, which is wow. really funny. And then also... There's an argument happening in the airport when Neil gets off the phone with his wife after he's telling her the plane's been delayed. There's an argument happening in the background, and it's an argument that happens in She's Having a Baby. And there's also a theory that Kevin Bacon is actually playing his character Jake from She's Having a Baby in this film. Oh. The theories you never knew you needed, we've got them for you. I mean, John Hughes had that. Right, he had the yeah. expanded universe before Marvel. <laughs> All the teen movies take place in the same town, Sherman, <laughs> Illinois. They reference each other. They reference the high school and the hangout bus. Yeah. So this could totally work. I just glad to be here to be the podcast. Like you guys, 
the this this the worst podcast on the internet and but you know you're going to get some theories that no one ever wanted to know about and that's like where we're here michael mckeon playing state trooper love michael mckeon always love him appearing in films he's David very Saint funny Hammond. he's lovely i love michael mckeon he's great mm. and uh i love that he got fourth billing in this film even though he's like <laughs> like in it for like it. 30 seconds <laughs> just to tell him that their car looks like shit <laughs> and the last person i want to bring up this really funny is dylan baker who is in trick-or-treat he's in a lot of films and stuff he's very fun he plays owen the son of I can't remember the guy's name that he's like, oh, his son's going to come give us a ride. And he's like the weird oh, redneck yeah. with the wife and stuff. And that guy particularly funny about him though. Like, so, you know, the scene where he like, he's going to shake their hands and stuff and he's going to shake Steve Martin's hands. And he like spits into his, like he spits sort of like weirdly misses and wipes his face and then goes <laughs> to shake the hand. All right. So like I said, John Hughes likes some improvisation spitting. going on sometimes. <laughs> that was improvised, him spitting like that, catching in his hand, and then going to shake Steve Martin's <laughs> hand. And Steve Martin's reaction was 100% legitimate, genuine. And uh, as soon as they called cut, he just like ran off to go like wash his hands because he was like a germaphobe. <laughs> That's <laughs> <Apparently. funny. laughs> And they just like elicited such a laugh from the crew. I'm not a germaphobe. <laughs> I am a bit now, but I would still run off and wash my hands. Yeah. Yeah, what's so on it? And I saw it. It's so disgusting. It's like if someone talking to you again. Not a problem now because we have guard up at work. But when someone, <laughs> you know, you know, a year ago, let's say, if someone were talking to me at work and they accidentally like spat when they talked, and it like I can feel it like land on my face. <laughs> yeah. After that, I'm not listening. I'm just waiting yeah. until uh, I can uh, go uh, and wash uh, my face. <laughs> And I'm like, I can't, I can't yeah. deal with it. It's gross. It's like you have those like alarms like going off in your head, like <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> everything's red. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, entirely justified yeah. reaction. That guy had yeah. one of my favorite lines as well, where he's like, she didn't scream or nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Dollar Bell, get out of here. <laughs> you get. Get off your lazy ass and get this trunk. It's like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> baby came out sideways and she didn't scream or nothing. <laughs> it's so horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, man. Well, apparently, this film was like a really difficult shoot because I felt like we talked about this sort of thing before, but like the crew were basically just waiting on snow. <laughs> like waiting <laughs> it like on it. it to snow yeah. it was filmed over 85 days mostly around new york and chicago they i think originally wanted to just film mostly in chicago but it just wasn't snowing so to find areas with snow for some of the shoots the crew had to travel a lot they had to go a, a lot of distance and everything when they got there the snow had often melted making them call it a hellish shoot steve martin said that the cast and crew were pretty much living the plot of the movie. As we would shoot, we would uh, be hopping trains, planes, and automobiles trying to find snow. Uh, he said it. Yeah, he said it. There you go. In the film. Do you watch the film like me, counting all of the you know, forms of transport they take? Because I'm like, there's the plane. 
That's the train. There's the train. Yeah. That's the automobile. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. All Not of the delays, um, actually, though, it might have proved a bit beneficial for like another actor in the film that I didn't name. His name is Troy Evans, who played the antisocial truck driver at the end of the film. He didn't <laughs> want anyone to sit in his cab. Funny little side note. If you see the characters in the back of the, the, the truck after they get into his big meat locker truck, John Candy actually has a bit of a black eye in that scene. And that's because uh, he tries to talk the truck driver into letting him into the cabin of the truck and he elbows him in the face. <laughs> so that was a scene that got cut out, apparently. It's funny. It's the same joke as before or the same cut, at least, where Steve Martin gets like <laughs> kicked in the nuts. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next thing... He grabbed by the nuts, and then the next scene, yeah. his voice is super high. Just talking like this the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any like idea how much I wish you had killed me? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of humor kind of reminds me of like my dad. I feel like my dad would do jokes like that all the time. Like if if like one of the, one of us accidentally like hit him in the balls or something, he would just you know he would literally just be like, "Oh, hey." Thanks for uh, doing that. Uh-oh. I'm just going to go die over here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. But like all these delays and stuff that they had might have proved beneficial for Troy Evans, who played this truck driver, because in John Hughes' A Life in Film, Kurt Honeycutt wrote that one actor who played a truck driver who's likely Troy Evans was only supposed to have one line and work for one day. But Hughes chose to keep him on as a standby. And the actor ended up working enough days while the crew waited for the snow to come. And he was able to make a down payment on a house. <laughs> oh, they all worked out. Yeah. John Hughes make a dream come true. They spent a lot of money on this film as well. Particularly with things like Neil's house. was uh, It was built from scratch, consisting of seven rooms that they'd never go into. Why? And uh, taking five months to complete, and it ended up costing a hundred thousand dollars, which but why Paramount? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I listen don't know, to me, John. Why did you build the whole uh, house? <laughs> <laughs> we have I houses don't here. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people think that the house, because on the outside it's like a house that's in Chicago, and a lot of people think it's like the same house from Home Alone, but it's not. But it looks a lot like it. It looks like a house like that, you know? But again, it's another John Hughes thing. He likes houses like that. <laughs> he likes middle-class houses in the suburbs. Yeah, they go, well, they go into rooms in Home Alone. It makes sense. Like You need the house in Home Alone, yeah. This, this film, you need a, a dining room, a staircase-like front room that kind of makes you look like there's a, there's, the house has an mm-hmm. ass on it. And uh, you need... Uh, the wife's bedroom, bedroom like yeah. that's all you kind of really need like you don't need seven fucking rooms i don't get it i don't know was he building a house for the truck driver <laughs> he was building the house there we go that's what he was doing all right now we're at the bottom of that like i said though this was meant to be like a lot longer so maybe some of the scenes that were used in those rooms i don't know got cut out um but uh, yeah, there was a lot of things that were cut out. Like there's certain things that were featured in TV versions only. There was uh, apparently a scene where, yeah, both of the guys ended up in a strip club after their car caught on fire. 
one of the actresses in the film didn't even know her scene got cut until she went to the premiere. Again, that seems to happen a lot on this podcast. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that. Okay, wait. I have one question. TV version of this movie. Mm-hmm. What do they do with the F word theme? Do they cut it out? Do they re-record it? So here's some of the TV versions. So there's added footage in the New York, Chicago, Wichita flight where Dell and Neil tried to eat on the flight, which I did read about this. Apparently there's like a woman puts her head back like in her <laughs> and Neil's trying to eat and her hair goes into his like food and like Ew. you know John Candy just realizes that like oh he's not going to eat this brownie so he's like fishing through her hair to get the brownie out and starts eating That's it. That's so funny. <laughs> oh they should have kept that. That's really funny. There's apparently I think there's a shot like when they're in the like there's a shot of Dell singing like or Dill, Dell or Neil I'm not really sure one of them singing Elvis inside of one of the um inside of a bathroom inside of one of the hotels. Some network TV versions include an alternate version of the scene where Neil confronts the car rental lady. So this version, which has presumably been reshot, removes all the four-letter words from the scene. Oh, so they did a version of that. Yeah. They could have just gotten their PG rating. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's worth the laugh. Yeah, it's okay. I just, I, I kind of wish they would have left the, the strip club scene in. That would have been fun. No. Because apparently Neil <laughs> just goes in to like make a phone call and Dells just gets distracted by all the strippers. <laughs> uh, of course <laughs> that, that does. really takes away from the wholesomeness of it. Yeah, it's a wholesome. And every fucking comedy had a strip club scene and it's so yeah. annoying. It's just an but excuse to have the nudity in there. Oh yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they wouldn't and have been the first at all. They wouldn't have been the first. For sure, Porky did it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's the entire premise of Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> especially Porky's 2 Porky <laughs> the Porky's revenge. moves to a riverboat the film's plot though it went through like several revisions during production as like John Hughes he was like one of these people who's constantly rewriting as he's like filming and mm-hmm. that included the ending so we could talk about the ending a little bit but originally Dell was actually supposed to board the Chicago train. Like when they're at the train station, he's supposed to just get on that commuter train to go with Neil all the way home. (laughs) (laughs) And during the editing process, uh, John Hughes decided to change the ending so that Dell would take the hint to allow Neil to just like return home alone. And then in order to get the new ending, Hughes and editor Paul Hirsch located some footage that they'd shot of Steve Martin on the Chicago train from a previously deleted scene. And all of this like footage that was shot was without Martin ever knowing that the camera was on. So it's all like legitimate just expressions, his like laughter, his facial expressions. That's really sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was just like perfectly matching what Hughes was looking for in the flashback Mm. scene. So Steve Martin was actually just probably daydreaming, thinking yeah. about his lines for the next scene or just like kind of laughing about stuff. And like Hughes remarked that Martin had a beautiful expression in those unguarded moments. So they like just changed the ending using that, which is that's, amazing. That's really cool. That's true. And that moment, I mean, it's such a great moment, it's a great scene. But that every time I watch that moment, I do feel it's the only time where the mark flipped. And like I yeah. see genuine uh, emotion from that character, and now that makes sense because it was Steve yeah. Martin being Steve Martin, but that worked, <laughs> yeah. and that's way better. Yeah. Again, just filmically, 
way better for the arc. You can't have the whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie needs to be Steve Martin trying to get rid of this guy. And then at the end, bringing the guy with him, like actively wanting yeah, him yeah. around. It can't be like yeah. they just stick with each other the whole time. And he needs to change. And yeah. that's, that's what makes that arc so wonderful. And it's so sad, just Candy sitting there alone. Yeah. And it, it's still funny as well. Like, because like regardless he still ends up taking this guy with him this guy he can't shake <laughs> yeah and like you see where he, he originally wrote him. this is like oh well he just goes with him that's funny it is funny the i like if if it was the original way it still would be a funny ending but it just gets so much more impactful and meaningful like when you have the new ending of mm. him just like yeah i mean Reminiscing homeless he puts yeah. he puts it all together it's a widower he's homeless slightly weird way yeah <laughs> i mean a great and i like movie i think we, t- we talked about it with pineapple express in movie that ju- you know at the end of pineapple express it's just them sitting around diner talking about the movie yeah about what happened and this had the same thing <laughs> yeah. with steve martin just reminiscing about the movie yeah <laughs> about all the yeah, funniest yeah, yeah. moments from the movie <laughs> but then keep piecing it together because you might have already but he needs to at that moment yeah. finally Listen, actually listen to what John Candy, what Dell is saying to him. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. Great. Yeah. Great scene. This film has two, those two amazing scenes with John Candy. Like we were chatting about a little bit earlier. You were talking about the, the scene in the hotel where he just sort of has that little monologue, like, Oh, I like me. And then just that scene. My wife likes me. Sort of, My customers like me. Yeah. I'm just, the real deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what you need what you get yeah it's like you you get bombarded with how annoying this person is but it's just like he's so lovable at, at the end of the day and you're just like oh this guy it's, it's unbearable dude and i don't know if you're going into soundtrack but what breaks me is we are fucking dream academy playing underneath it with <laughs> yeah. a beautiful song it's one of my favorite songs and they yeah they use it a couple Absolutely. times just the instrumental version the uh, power to believe the song yeah and this movie got me into dream academy even though he uses them in a bunch of his movies they use them they use them in first bueller then the dream academy mm-hmm. version of please let me get what i want um yeah. but that that song just uh, every time i put it on i think of that scene and it makes me genuinely <laughs> really emotional and it just yeah yeah it's perfect <laughs> it's one of those songs i listen to and i'm like why didn't more things sound like this yeah well, the score was done by Ira Newborn, who has worked on a lot of John Hughes films. Uh, he mixed a bit of rock and roll with some country, some pop. It's <laughs> weird. Like, it sounds very John Hughes at times. And then yeah. at other times, it sounds so fucking strange. And I don't really understand what's going on. The score makes extensive use of the folk song Red River Valley. And it also features, like, as a rock version called Red River Rock which is performed by Silicon Teens who I didn't know this until just yesterday when I was researching for this one of the guys from that started Mute Records which is amazing Um, (laughs) but it also features a version of Back in Baby's Arms Emmy Lou Harris does which is like a really nice song that sort of appears in there it's a very country song fine fine with that and of course there's the unforgettable John Candy scene where he's driving in the car playing 
along to mess around. Mess around. Fire Ray Charles, which is amazing. Such a fun scene. That whole scene. When he dropped a cigarette. That scene is great. And that's him by himself doing. They like interacting with it's Chaplin, like a Chaplin level, like yeah. physical humor. He gets stuck and he drops the cigarette and he's playing the piano. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. How did how do they know where we're going? <laughs> yeah, obviously it's that hilarious thing where he like spins out of control and then he's just like, Whoa. devil. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Oh yeah, yeah. When he's coming. Uh, and then he like goes the wrong way down the. Uh, you see it like for me as a driver who drove in America like when I saw him get off of that like okay. exit and get back onto the highway I'm just like no you're going the wrong way you're going the wrong way you're going the wrong way uh, uh, we also have like you said Power, Power to Believe by the Dream Academy which is yeah gets, gets you in the fills I probably right, may have already played it before oh I don't know Right in the fills, learning about Dell's right in the fills. Dell's uh Dell's problems. Mm-hmm. And then finally the last song that you hear in the film is it's a cover of Daryl Hall's Every Time You Go Away. Every time you go away. Performed by Blue Room. And it was actually meant to be the Paul Young version. So the original version was written by Daryl Hall of Paul and Oates. I think it was a Hall and Oates song. And then mm-hmm. Blue Room did this cover because Paul Young had a version that was actually really popular at the time, but they couldn't get rights <laughs> to do it. Speaking of which, apparently Elton John and lyricist Gary Osborne had also done a song for the film that was supposed to be one of the lead singles of the film. And uh, Paramount was assistant on ownership of the recording, which had been done. And Elton John's record label wouldn't allow it. So the song exists but it's never been released ever apparently there's a planes trains and automobile theme song i don't know out there that so that's the a three somewhere. hour elton john version of planes trains and automobile somewhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay good to know yeah so i don't know what happened but somehow we ended up with like you're messing with the wrong guy <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that in any other film where they use dialogue uh, as part of the score and like remix yeah. it and use it later. And it shouldn't work. And arguably it doesn't work. But I yeah. like it because it's so weird. And I don't know why even there. Steve Martin, I think, thought that the soundtrack was like it was something that harmed the film. Really, as well. So yeah, it's weird. It's got like the Takira feel to it. Yeah, he's a musician as well. So I mean, you can like be like, fair, you know, he would know what he's talking about. But um, I I don't know, man. It's a strange choice. Like it some like that's (laughs) what I mean. Like it somehow feels very like I can almost imagine you having a song like that inside of Ferris Bueller's or something as well. For sure, but yeah. I mean they have Day Bow Bow in first. Yeah, that shouldn't they have Day Bow Bow. Day Bow Bow. Yeah. Bow Bow. Oh yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird choice. I don't really know. Um, the film though was released in 1987 in November, just in time for Thanksgiving, and it grossed around 49.5 million dollars in the U.S. on a 30 million dollar budget. So. Not bad. Not bad. It's not, not listed as a film that 
yeah, it's not great, but it's also not listed as a film that like was seen as a failure at the box office from what I could tell. It was released in the United Kingdom in February of 1988, and it topped the country's box office that weekend. So it did well over here, apparently, as well, at least for a weekend. And uh, yeah, it's not seen as a failure. I don't know if films like this would ever kind of be seen as a failure, like considering the fact that, like, you know, I don't think people care about, like, if a film like the John Hughes film doesn't make three times its budget Kick. or if that even yeah. mattered back in 1987 so yeah i don't and know this movie so well loved yeah especially now yeah I've yeah never heard from a, yeah no money doesn't matter time is the only test for a movie mm. which is a quote yeah absolutely i read one which was steve martin talking about three amigos <laughs> <laughs> We've that's run out again of one of my favorite movies but <laughs> yeah it bombed but that's a it's great a great film movie. but it, it bombed yeah, yeah. It bombed. uh well the film was well was well received from critics i mean a lot of people like i said they were happy to see john hughes moving away from teen films Grow they you know, <laughs> they applauded him for that critics lauded john candy's performance calling it the best role to date that he's done uh roger ebert who is the biggest fan of this film apparently watches it every oh, Thanksgiving. Well, used to watch it I every did. Thanksgiving. Uh, he wrote that I the watch film is perfectly cast and soundly constructed and all else flows naturally. Steve Martin and John Candy don't play characters. They embody themselves. That's why the comedy, which begins securely planted in the two genres of the road movie and the buddy picture, is able to reveal so much heart and truth. Exactly. Wow. Good, good, yeah, good, really... good point. I mean, yeah. also, I want to know, like, how did people like Roger Ebert <laughs> become someone that I'm going to reference on a podcast like this? Like, <laughs> often, it's like, come on, how do you do this? Why does why did why did people care? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you said something about a uh, sequel. Well, not a sequel, Phil. There's apparently a Will Smith and Kevin Hart remake in the works <laughs> just why is yeah. nothing sacred I don't even care if they do it it's just not Kevin Hart I just don't like Kevin Hart he's a homophobe I know <laughs> that I know that he said sorry a lot and people like did he though should, <laughs> people should try to get chances if to redeem themselves because a lot of people do stupid stuff in their younger days and shit but mm. I don't think he's learned from it. You know, he's just, I don't think, I don't know. Will Smith's fine. I don't, yeah, fine. It's cool. I just don't see, I, I, I don't see him and I don't see the point. Like I just said, it wasn't remade, you know, like <laughs> yeah. they, they did a movie and it was essentially a remake, but it was its own thing. So it got to exist yeah. away from that. And that's how you do, you do, I've said it many times, you, you pull a fast and furious. Yeah. Remake just, something and you tweak it just enough, geez, just enough that it that it's a different thing. Like I don't why why remake Plane Train? It's perfect. You're not gonna do it as well, and or you're gonna do something different that's disappointing. Just make something new, Hollywood. Because, because <laughs> Phil, no one has any new ideas anymore, and we need to fill out these streaming platforms that it's doomed to go to immediately instead of going to cinemas. Uh, for oh, from now until forever until 
we are finally, hopefully, pulled from this point of existence. <laughs> We're just yanked out of the timeline by a future ah, John and Fell. Yeah. They're like, don't worry, it ends eventually. Yeah. And also, you know, Breadcrumb. I'm, we have to... We have to stick up for a remix because we're going to remake podcasts, you know, <laughs> and uh, we're going to remake that decom podcast as well. There's probably like yeah. 25 Disney Channel original movies, you know, podcasts out there. And like we said, oh, we're it's going it. to be gonna different. Gonna do it better. It's going to be actually good. <laughs> I guarantee that will be. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's the episode here. Phil, final thoughts on this film? I, I, we're not doing final thoughts. We've already said enough. Uh, uh, I love this movie. It's great. I, I watch, it every, watch it every year and yeah. uh, never get sick of it. It's wonderful, funny, and it's sweet. And it's um, emotional in all the right, mm. but it's a perfect comedy. Yeah, it's a good movie. I love it as well. It means a lot to me to have like a good Thanksgiving film. Because there's not really that many, and I know Thanksgiving's a yeah, bit twisted. Yeah, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know Thanksgiving's a bit twisted because of like a lot of things about America are twisted. But I kind of <laughs> like the idea of Thanksgiving more than I like Christmas, to be honest. Because it's like it literally for me was always just a time to get together with family and have some food. There's no like presents involved. It's just like a nice dinner where you have a good time, love everyone, and then the next day you go and buy a bunch of bullshit at like half price. And, uh, oh, yeah. and retail workers' lives with Black Friday. So that's my thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, and this, you know, every year we spare a moment. You know, Thanksgiving is a time to be grateful, and we should spare yeah. a moment for all the retail and hospitality workers that have to deal with your bullshit because you want yeah. a TV that's half price. <laughs> and also, we we'll spare a moment to think about the ones who've had to work throughout this madness, like which has been crazy and scary. And also the ones who can't work because of this madness, because that's also crazy and scary. And uh, that's the thought for the day. Um, <laughs> that today thought though to have been resorted to, you know, sitting in their bedroom talking about movies that yeah, yeah. nobody asked for. Anyone there? <laughs> yeah. Hello, with this thing on? Don't die pillows. <laughs> All right, Phil. Where can people find you and leave us with a uh a thought to be thankful for in Thanksgiving tradition? Because that's kind of what you do. Oh, like what am I thankful for? Mm-hmm. Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> um well. You know, you can find me usual spot far away sad on Twitter. I'm making moves, making waved online. You know, watch this space Sick. for another mm-hmm. funny video where I've been in a circle for an old nursery <laughs> run. Uh, and Dog Nimet on the gram. What up? Um, what am I thankful for? Family and friends. Good man. What about you? <laughs> you can find me at Talfer, the T A L L, the number A L L, on Twitter and Instagram. Toy Alto. If you like music, you can follow that on Facebook too. Soy Alto. 
follow us at Tall Talk as well. We've got a new podcast coming out every single day. It's only a minute long. You can go crazy with me because I'm going crazy too. What am I thankful for? The fact that we're finally launching bread crumbs. So I can do something that I really enjoy, like talk to all of you. Hey! Hey! That's the episode. Follow us at the PCC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram. Leave us an email, podcast.com. Look out for breadcrumbs this coming week. Get it into your system. Put it in you. (laughs) (laughs) That's tagline.